after the convoy came to the Capitol. Can you um, reflect on where you think the movement is right now? I mean, there is clearly a heightened police presence here. There are protesters outside. Do you feel the movement has grown? Do you feel it's abated? What's your read on what's happened over did, the past 12 Did you notice that smirk? I think that's a better question to ask Mr. Polyev. He seems a lot closer to the convoy. Uh, my approach is very much uh, on making sure that we're delivering good jobs and good opportunities. We're not going to go through the full five minutes of this, people. Five minutes and 38 seconds. I guess maybe a little less if you include the question at the beginning. Five minutes of psychopathy. Notice the question was, your reflections on the protest? <gasps> I'm, I'm going to leave that to Pierre Poilier, and now I'm going to go on to a five-minute unhinged tirade. For Canadians, uh, we know oh. people are worried and even frustrated about how the world is unfolding around them. No, 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 no. Do you notice that when I call Justin Trudeau a psychopath, a narcissist, um, it's not a clinical diagnosis. It's an observational opinion. Do you notice how one element of, of, of personality disorder, narcissism, sociopathy, whatever you want to call it, it's never taking responsibility. It's always deflecting and passing the buck of responsibility onto somebody else. What does he do here? It, what does he do here? Worried and even frustrated about how the world is unfolding around them. Worried about how the world is unfolding around them. No, Justin Trudeau. I'm worried and concerned and frustrated about how you are destroying my country. I'm concerned, upset, and enraged about what you through your policy, have done to my fellow citizens, to my friends, to my family, to me. Not the world unfolding around me like you have no active part in it. You psycho. I know I'm going to get angry and I'm going to get frustrated and people say, Viva, you shouldn't call Justin Trudeau a psychopath. I've had friends say, yeah, that, that language is, is too hyperbolic. It's too over the top. If you don't watch this and understand that you are listening to an actual psychopath talking, then we have differences of opinions, and I prefer mine. And as a politician, you have two choices. You can either try and amplify those fears, make people even matter, reflect that anger, that uncertainty uh, that people are legitimately feeling because the world is changing in unpredictable ways. You can either amplify that, which I didn't do when I said those people are putting us all at risk. They're putting at risk their children, and they're putting at risk our children. Those people are putting us all, oh, oh no, I didn't amplify it. I didn't direct the rage. I wasn't the source of promoting vitriol. They're racist. They're misogynist. They're anti-gay. They're anti-Semitic. Oh no, I, I didn't do any of that. If you thought you heard that, uh, if you thought that I slapped you, uh, it's in your head. Reflect that back at them without offering real solutions. Or you can choose to buckle down and deliver on the kinds of things that are going to make people feel confident in their own future, in their kids' future, in their community's future, in their jobs. In their jobs. These make the people feel confident and secure in their future and their jobs while we fire people for medical decisions based on policy that I, as premier, prime minister, in a, I, I, can't, I, I can't go the, the entire way on this. I listen to it. It's gaslighting. It's someone who has been abusing you saying, no, that, that bruise, you had that bruise before. And, and, and by the way, notice the way his, his voice also changes. It's getting lower. <sighs> He's like, he, he gets more guttural and he 
Boot. I mean, these, he's using catchphrases. What was the catchphrase? Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll get it again because he repeats the same catchphrases. Choices you have to make as a leader. Oh, yeah. Quite frankly, when I, I did it for you, it's choices I had to make as a leader. You think I like doing this to you? I mean, it is abuse. Mutatus mutandis. You think I like doing it? You made me hurt you. If you had just gotten the damn shot, none of this would have had to happen to you. Uh, Mr. Polyev's best solution to inflation is to buy cryptocurrency. That's not responsible leadership. If you what the hell? Are you talking? What 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 answer? What question are you answering right now? Uh, cryptocurrency. Do you have any reflections on the protest? Cryptocurrency. People had bought crypto when he told them that was the best way to opt out of inflation. They would have lost half of their life savings. Oh, you know, and you know what's amazing? Justin Trudeau had they bought crypto last week, they would have been up twenty five percent. I'm an idiot. Every decision I've ever made with crypto has been the wrong one. That's a, I should. It's legalized gambling. I should just. I'm, I'm not touching it. I'm done. My, my my investments are with a professional, not with a compulsive idiot like myself. Oh, if they had bought crypto when he said it, they'd be down fifty percent. Well, if they bought crypto last week, they'd be up twenty five percent. So it depends on the time frame you want to make your statement, Trudeau. That's that's how it works. That's not a solution. What we're talking about here, there, rolling there. up our sleeves, doing the pulling hard up work, our sleeves, investing. Pulling up our sleeves, doing the hard work, locking you down, firing you, penalizing you. It's for your own good. Good jobs. And assembly lines like this one that are building the products that not just Canadians want, but the world wants. Doing it with cleaner energy. Doing it in an environmentally responsible way. And putting workers and communities at the center of what they do. Oh, yeah. Listen, there are always Listen. going to be politicians out there who try to you know, exploit legitimate anger and concerns that people have. Can you believe that he's making this statement, expecting us to uh, understand that he's not talking about himself? He's trying to convince us that he is not one of those politicians that exploited legitimate grievances that we have. Listen. out there who try to you know, exploit legitimate anger and concerns that people have try to exploit the legitimate anger that people have you know like when, when he said those people are putting us all at risk when he said those people can't get on planes and trains in a country that's four thousand kilometers coast to coast when he basically said people should be penalized discriminated against shun they shouldn't be tolerated they should how do we tolerate these people oh and he's going to lecture us about the politicians who exploit anger but that's not the way to get something built. Uh, 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 I can't do it. Okay, I can't do it. That, that we've done enough. Uh, I can't do it anymore. It goes on for five minutes of the most unhinged um, tirade you've ever heard. Says the guy who some people say has been on an unhinged tirade for how, how many minutes now? For five minutes. I have self-reflection people to a flaw, Okay. I have it to a compulsive, obsessive disorder, some might say. Um, now, he gave this speech, and I don't know the time frame within which he gave it as relates to Jacinda, whatever her name is, or Jacinda Ardem from New Zealand resigning, tearfully resigning. We're expected, we're, we're expected to feel bad for her. Uh, I don't know when he gave it in respect of that, but I, I would have great difficulty believing that Trudeau did not know that Jacinda Ardem was about to resign or had already done it. And so... Maybe I'm reading a little too much into it, but I'm reading absolute despair. I'm reading absolute loss of control. He knows 
he knows the gig is up and uh, the tides are turning and people are not putting up with this horse poop anymore. I'm self-censoring because I don't want to swear because it doesn't make me feel good when I swear. And sometimes it doesn't make people in, in, in the crowd feel good. Um, I don't know if he knew that Jacinda Ardem had already resigned. And I suspect even if she hadn't already, he knew it was coming because they all know it's coming now. They know they've gone too far for too long and there's no going back. There's no walking this back at this point. They, they've, they've caused harm to nations, to societies, to communities, and to people, to individuals. The people they were, oh, the government's there to protect you. When it's, when it's not abusing you. Oh, okay. So people in the chat said, yes, enough. Uh, Viva gonna hurl. All right, I saw a super chat. Let me bring in the super chat before I give the standard disclaimers. It's amazing how Trudeau can state things which exactly, with, which express exactly how they act and try to pin it on his opposition. Truly an example of, uh, an example of psychopathic actions. Thank you very much for the Rumble Rant. Super Chats, YouTube takes 30% of those on YouTube. Rumble Rant has the equivalent. We're, ex we're on Rumble now. We're going to go exclusive after the interview with Ezra. Um, they take 20%. So if you want to support the channel, that's one way to do it. VivaBarnesLaw.Locals.com is the best way to do it. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, before I bring on Ezra for this amazing, amazing... Ezra and Rebel News team is in Davos, and it's amazing. And they caught Albert Bourla by some fluke. Outside the perimeter, the protected perimeter of Davos, they they stumbled across him on the street, like like uh, Marcellus Wallace stumbled across, or that it was uh, oh gosh, what was his name? Uh, Bruce Willis, Butch, like Butch out of Pulp Fiction, coming across Marcellus Wallace at the intersection. They just came across Albert Burla. But before I do that, I got to thank the sponsor for today's show. Today's sponsor is Field of Greens. Dot, did I share it yet? Here we go. Field of Greens, people. I have it. I have it here. And by the way, so everyone should know, I've had two cans of Red Bull in the fridge for a week. You know what that means? It means I haven't drunk them because I've substituted my unhealthy habit for a healthy habit. Habit. Most people don't know you're supposed to have five to six or seven servings of raw fruits and vegetables a day. Uh, it helps with nutrients, antioxidants, uh, regularity for those who are interested. Most people don't do it. In fact, most people have terrible, terrible habits. They don't exercise enough. They don't eat healthy enough. I exercise almost every day. I eat healthy every day. But this is a good habit to replace the bad habits. Field of greens, desiccated vegetables. It's powdered greens. It's, it's the thing. You, if you don't eat five to seven servings of fruits and vegetables a day, one spoonful twice a day, it is one serving of fruits and vegetables with all the antioxidants, full serving fruits and vegetables, antioxidant power, boosted immunity, it is USDA organic, made in America. I always say it looks like swamp water, but swamp water is nutrient-rich water. It tastes great. It's a great habit. Uh, go to fieldofgreens.com, promo code VIVA. You'll get 15% off your first order and 10% off a subscription. And if the link is not in the pinned comment, it will be by the time people watch this on um, rerun. Fieldofgreens.com. Thank you very much. And uh, good stuff. Looks like swamp water. Tastes great. Good habits. And may those two cans of Red Bull stay in my fridge for, for, for weeks to come. Now, I'm going to bring in Ezra. I only see a black screen, and he was saying the, uh, the internet might not be great. So I said, just as long as we have the audio, it'll be good enough. I hear audio. Ezra, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm sorry. The internet connection here is weak. I'm literally 
um, at a train station in Davos, and and I have to get on the train in about ten minutes. So I uh, can you hear me okay in the meantime, though? I can hear you perfectly. It's uh, I mean it's crackling, but it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter. We're doing this. Ezra, first, okay, first of all, thank you so much. What you did yesterday with 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 Avi Yamini, I don't know if they give Pulitzer prizes. I don't know what the appropriate award for that should be. You deserve something, but just tell us what what what's you what are you and your team doing in Davos right now? Sure. Well, we're here all week covering the World Economic Forum, and um, to try and find out a little bit more about the organization, especially the people. And one of the ways we do that is we're on the main drag. Uh, in the town, it's not a big town. And it's, of course, there's a part that's a high security, you have to be accredited, basically only approved voices are in. But just beyond those gates are a lot of pavilions. It's like a trade show for globalists. Everyone's there from BlackRock to Microsoft to Facebook. And um, so you have these VVIPs strolling down the strip and they have their guard down because they think they're amongst friends. and you know, some of them I would recognize on site, like Christia Freeland, for example, or Mark Carney, and others you, you sort of have to spot their name tag. Well, one of our entourage said, who is that? Because he recognized the face, but not the name. I looked at them. I said, oh, my God, that's Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer. And he just left the green zone, the high security zone. And now he's out here um, within reach of us peasants. Let's just go ask him some questions. And I'm lucky that uh, Benji spotted him. I'm lucky that I um, had my mic on me and our cameramen were there. And, and and I just, my first question was, when did he know that his vaccine did not stop transmission? Because that was the basis for all the vaccine mandates. And then soon my friend Avi Yamini joined in and we walked and talked with him for about three and a half minutes, which doesn't sound like very long. But when you're asking questions of someone who refuses to say a word to you, it feels like an eternity. And that was magnified by his handlers sort of jostling us and trying to get him away. And there was this one moment you can see in the video where he tries to go in some little alley or corridor, but there's a chain link fence and he doubles back. And I counted afterwards, we asked him 29 questions. Now, some of them were rhetorical questions. Will you apologize? Yeah. Although that's a real question, by the way. And you know, he didn't give us a single substantive answer, but we put real and fair questions to him. And the fact that he didn't say a word, he just it was in stony silence, is a reminder that this fella had zero accountability for two years. And in fact, I think he was stunned by the experience because I don't think he's had an unscripted media encounter in his life. And I think he was so used to obedient media. Earlier that day, he had done the rounds of the accredited media, the approved media at Davos. And obviously, they weren't going to ask him about young men having heart attacks. Obviously, they weren't going to ask him about myocarditis, because that would be unseemly, and they might be kicked out of the club. So we asked him 29 questions that none of his regime media would ask him. And listen, it speaks for itself. Last I checked, the video has been seen 4 million times on Twitter alone. And it's really the talk of the town uh, wandering around today. A lot of people, you could tell, had watched that video. It, it, it's going to go viral. It has gone viral, and it deserves to. But w watching his response, it was like watching um, Omar Algebra flee your other reporter. And all of it just walk, smile like a, like a buffoon, like a, with his 
spit eating grin on his face, like, mm -hmm, have a nice day. And Boor, like, you're, you know, it's true. Your questions were more uh, legitimate questions. Avi were rhetorical, but everyone has their style and it has its place. He, he wouldn't even answer when you became aware of the fact that it was not preventing transmission, which, like you observed, was the basis for vaccine mandates because don't prevent transmission. It no longer makes any sense. Um, he had no security on him? Like, not that you're a threat, but he had no security? Well, he had um, a, a large guy with him who may have been security. But I have to tell you, the police in Switzerland are very respectful of civil liberties, more so than in Canada. So the police did not get involved at all. And my dealings with private security here is that their bark is worse than their bite. And I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was not physically stopping him. I was not touching him. I was not threatening him. I wasn't even shouting at him. I was just speaking um, forcefully. Um, so I have to say that unless you're in private property where they can eject you, doing that sort of street scrum that we did is completely lawful. And in fact, I dare say that you have more freedom to do that in Switzerland with their police than in Canada. So yes, he had a big guy with him. I don't know if that was security, but he didn't do anything. And I think that's that was wise. I should tell you, and we haven't put the video up yet, but we had a a, a similar scrum, a walking scrum today. And we're just putting the final touches on the video now uh, with Greta Thunberg. Uh, like these people, you can find them literally walking the streets here. And that's why we came here, because it is for a newsmaker, for, for, sorry, for a news watcher and a political talker, this is a target-rich environment. You have a lot of VVIPs. You have cabinet ministers. You have prime ministers. You have princesses. You have um, tycoons. Larry Fink of, uh, you know, BlackRock is here. Um, I had a brief question to Senator John Kerry, or former Secretary John Kerry. Um, he had a bodyguard with him, but again, uh, the, the, the security is very has a very light touch here. In fact, let me make a personal invitation to you to come to Davos next year, either with us or on your own, and just to linger in the downtown, because you would have a different list of people you would find interesting than I do. And given that there are hundreds or even thousands of interesting VVIPs, you would vis visually recognize quite a few. And, and some would be friendly and some would be hostile. But for someone who cares about the news and has strong opinions about newsmakers, it's like fishing in the best fishing hole around. Um, now, the fish don't necessarily like that. Albert Bourla didn't like it, but I think you personally would love the experience, and I'd be delighted to to to, uh, to show you the ropes as as much as I know them. We'll we'll see what the world looks like next year, Ezra. I might take you up on that. Now, w one question: at the end of the interview, you said you were sort of a little out of breath. My 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 reading of that is you were not out of breath due to physical activity. I get, I lose my breath when I get enraged. Now, were you, did you yeah. feel a sense of rage when you're asking them these questions? Were you nervous or were you, were you just overwhelmed by the moment? Like, were you enraged? Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about that. Cause I, I mean, we weren't going that fast and I, I, I am fat, but I'm not that unfit. I think it was an emotional tension um, for a few reasons. First of all, this is someone who I've been thinking about and, and talking about for two years. And, and my questions were valid. I am mad at him. I think he has a lot of explaining to do. 
And I think he's gotten away with terrible things. So there was some emotional anger there. Also, I was projecting and trying to think smart on the fly. Like I, w when the video starts was about literally five seconds after I saw him. So I didn't have time. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Avi and I, some of our questions weren't perfect, but I say again, we had five seconds notice. Yeah. And, and then we thought, and we didn't want any dead air, so to speak. We didn't want to waste a moment. So it was like we were brainstorming our questions in real time, which is a little tougher than it sounds because, like, suddenly you see Mark Carney. Suddenly you see John Kerry. Suddenly you see the vice president of Microsoft. So you sort of got to shift gears and think of questions, and you might only have 30 seconds. So I think it was a combination of stress, my emotional uh, anger towards this character, um, and that I was, it was a bit of physical exertion, walking quickly and projecting. Um, yeah, it's a bit of adrenaline because you, this is a VVIP and you've got him for about one minute. Now I got to tell you, I've got to step on the train and I apologize for leaving your show soon, but it, I just have to get on this train of our go, go. train. I, I'm going to be delayed. Thank you for having me on. And I very much appreciate your support. A absolutely. And I'm going to show some of the video, but not all of it, but Ezra, keep it up. Uh, amazing stuff. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. All right. Have a good day. All right. That's it. Oh, I, 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 it, first of all, his questions were perfect for different reasons for all the questions and perfect also because of its on the fly imperfection. If it were, if it were too polished, it wouldn't have been the same uh, on the street interview. But I know that when I got that call from the government telling me that I had to quarantine my healthy 12 year old daughter for two weeks, because we came over the border and she's not vaccinated, even though we had recently been infected and had negative tests. I, I, could, I couldn't catch my breath while I'm sitting in the car because I'm, I'm like, you get that tightness in your chest where you're, you're just enraged at the situation. Um, share the link to the full video. Hold on, I'll, I'll show, I'm going to show some of it, but not all of it because everybody's got to go. I'm going to share it in the link. Give me one second to pull it up. Rebel News confronts no, that's my stream. Hold on one second. Present, share, Chrome tab. And by the way, uh, I just read the news about Alec Baldwin charged. I haven't even read the article yet. Okay, going to do this. Boom shakalaka, we're sharing it. Look at this, people. Albert Bourla, by the way, I, I just love to also just take random guesses. How much does that scarf cost? How much does that jacket cost? Only, I have never been one to care about clothing. Mr. Borlaug, can I ask you, when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. No, that's not, that's not the answer. That's, uh, Albert, that's not the Thank you very much. It's not an answer. Thank you very much is what you say to the government when they keep shipping you billions of taxpayer dollars for a product that doesn't function as intended or, uh, as some people might believe, functions exactly as intended. That question. I mean, we, we now know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission, but why did you keep it secret? Thank you very much. You said it was 100% effective, then 90%, then 80%, then 70%, but we now know that the vaccines- He's so, he's so freaking cool. So, so, so well-dressed, lap of luxury, Switzerland, my scarf, my hat, not my hat, my tie, my glasses. Do not trans stop transmission. Why did you keep that secret? Oh, there, by the way, there you get, look at, look at Ezra. Like if you, if you know Ezra, you know, when he's angry, why did you keep that secret? 
Have a nice day. Have a nice day. I won't have a nice day until I know the answer. Have Why a, did you have a nice day? Oh, what's he, what's behind him? Palantir? Have a nice day. Thank you. I don't answer the questions from you, pleb. You 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 rabble. You're not one of us. I don't answer your questions. <laughs> Poo-poo in your general direction. Here, I'll, I'll put the link in both Rumble and um yeah, go watch it because I don't want I don't want you getting the entirety of the free view here. Go show it's it's glorious. And then you get Avi Yamini there, the badass of all badasses. I mean, everybody at Rebel News, you have to have cojones, proverbial cojones to do what they do. But I, I, I would be too afraid of just getting tackled and, and cuffed and arrested and tased. Don't tase me. Don't tase me, bro. I, 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 but it's amazing. It goes on for five minutes. The, the extent of uh, Albert Burla's accountability. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Now let me go count my money. Unbelievable. Um, so that's it. That was Ezra Levant. Uh, that's what's going on in Davos. They have a perimeter. So only, only the good journalists like Brian Stelter can get their way in to, uh, to host panels on disinformation. If, if you guys don't know about that, I talked about it yesterday. Um, so that's it. It, it. It's, it's glorious. There's one other thing, which is equally glorious. Speaking of plebs, and I know that he's going to snip and clip this portion of, of the stream as well. He should, because it's glorious. For those of you who don't know pleb, he's, I interviewed him, uh, when we were over the Christmas holidays, uh, he started off as a parody account and then, you know, got into analysis because he actually has insightful things to say. Uh, even if I disagree with pretty much all of his take, which I'm convinced now is a troll on the PPC bros and split, vote splitting. And if you vote for Maxime Bernier and the PPC, you're reelecting Trudeau. I disagree with him on that. But I actually believe that he might be a PPC mole, getting people to go to the PPC by highlighting the fact that Pierre Poiliev might be something of a little of a hypocrite, something. Set that aside. Uh, he has been blocked by Rachel Gilmore, which, which is a feat. And he put out a video a goodbye video, which I'll be to share with everybody. I'm not going to play. Uh, you know, I don't even want to play any of it because I will get a copy strike for the audio. Here. He comes on to lament <laughs> in a robe <laughs> and no shirt to lament. It's going to be a hard video. <laughs> okay. That's all I want to show because I, I, the, the, the music stuff is bullshit. I'm not, I'm not working for the copyright holder of, of I don't know what song that is, but I'm not, I'm not working for them. So. Uh, what I get out of there. Sorry. What I will do is sh go watch it. It's three and a half minutes of the most hilarious gloriousness or the most glorious hilarity. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll see. 26 minutes, 50 seconds. It's time to move over to Rumble exclusively. But let me just read this. Blanchivre. We Quebecers and especially Montrealers have no patience for bureaucratic BS like the one Viva said enraged him. Oh, I get, I get a call from the government. And it's some, it's some, I don't want to use, I don't want to demean. It's some buffoon with a day of training. Here are my checkpoints to tell you to imprison your healthy 12 year old daughter. Government sanctioned child abuse is what it would be in any other realm of the universe. Okay, I missed the super chat. Cease out or Viva, don't change. So many creators get caught up and fall in line. You are my favorite because of your passionate and have uh, passionate and have your own views. We're going to talk about this because people are going to accuse me of. People have accused me of censoring for the algorithm, which I've never done. 
I've self-censored for, because I don't want to be a, a, an a-hole and I don't like swearing all that much. And, you know, I know kids do watch the show, even though, hey, kids, adults swear all the time. When adults tell kids not to swear, it's, it's not hypocrisy. It's not hierarchy. What it is, is it's a subset of a rule that you don't know about. When kids swear, it sounds terrible. When adults swear, they know the context and it sounds funny. Salty Cracker is funny. Uh, who was I listening to that was swearing the other day? I forget who. Might have been, it might have been crowded. This, you know, this, there's room for swearing as an adult, but when kids do it, it sounds terrible. Um, but we're going to talk about the self-censorship and censorship at large when we get into Stephen Crowder, Daily Wire, because there have been developments. And Barnes, for anybody who's following us at vivabarneslaw.locals.com, has an amazingly insightful position on it. Slight, slightly different than what I think, but my goodness, do I appreciate his position. And here's, here's, a, here's a make a quote of it. When two smart people or parties disagree, chances that one party is entirely wrong and totally idiotic decrease exponentially. When two reasonably educated parties disagree on something, chances are they both have legitimate points. It's not like the type of thing where censorship, good or bad, no. It's not like uh, hormone replacement therapy for minors who can't consent to drinking alcohol or tattoos. Eh, okay, yeah. There might be a gray zone, but on the, on the essence of that debate, uh, there's no really, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe both sides have some decent points. The exceptions aside, when it comes to uh, the matter of Daily Wire versus Stephen Crowder, you're dealing with educated, uh, sophisticated people who have thought out their positions. Chances are that one is entirely evil, one is entirely good, one is entirely right, one is entirely bad. Very unlikely. Uh, but by the way, S. Cowder, Cooter. Suter, C. Suter. I'm, I'm seeing Stephen Crowder everywhere. C. Suter, thank you very much. Uh, there were a couple of other uh, here. Matt, Alec Baldwin charged with involuntary manslaughter. Dude, I got, the, I got the article up in the background on Fox News. David Tomes, Happy New Year, Viva. Justin Trudeau has broken the law, yet seems to be exempt from any repercussions. How is it possible? It's not illegal when the government breaks the law. That's, 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 that's it. That's the, only, that's the only subsection to that rule. It's not illegal when those who make the laws break the laws. GOV, can't disagree with that. So before we go over to Rumble exclusively, fieldofgreens.com, promo code VIVA. Thank you very much. Uh, see, I had a glass of water, and I was going to do it on screen, but I, I don't want to spill. And I, Liquids around, liquids and powders around a computer, not a good idea. But... Link will be in the description. Viva, what is it? What is it? It's not, it's fieldofgreens.com, promo code Viva. Okay, let us now go to Rumble exclusively in three. The link is pinned, people, in, in, in YouTube. Two, one. Oh, wait, I didn't do it yet. Darn it. Um, okay, hold on. Elon Musk's tweet. What, what is Elon Musk's tweet? Elon Musk. See this? Elon Musk. Five hours ago, it says, okay, I don't see any tweet from Elon Musk. Okay, uh, what, what do we start with? Uh, do we start with Alec Baldwin? No, let's, 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 let's do the Daily Wire, uh, Stephen Crowder dispute, uh, and the latest of it. I've, I've, okay, first of all, let me just back up one second. Let me go to the chat here. There's a rumble rant, $10 from HPR Man. No more Trudeau clips, please. I've thrown up my lunch already. You know what would be good for that? A glass of Field of Greens for your daily dose of vegetables, if you've already vomited your vegetables due to the... Whenever I watch these videos, I picture Lloyd Christmas out of Dumb and Dumber when he sees Harry dating his girl. 
That's it. That's all I can see. Um, oh, Veritas. Okay. That's the, that's the Elon Musk tweet. He, he, he tweeted Veritas. Is that a reference to Project Veritas? Um, anyhow, okay. Stephen Crowder, Daily Wire, the latest. Uh, the 30,000 foot overview for those of you who didn't watch yesterday and don't know what's going on. Uh, a few days ago, Stephen Crowder put out a tweet, said, I'm done being quiet. The obvious joke being, when has Stephen Crowder ever been quiet? Uh, comes out with a video yesterday or the day before. I might be off on the date, doesn't really matter. A video detailing what he believes to be um, soft censorship or collusion with uh, big tech censorship of conservative voices coming from an unnamed party based on a contract that Steven Crowder was negotiating or had stopped negotiating with this third party subsequent to his announcement that he's leaving the blaze. Steven Crowder was on the blaze, Louder with Crowder, Mug Club. Everybody knows Steven Crowder. He's awesome. Content-wise, awesome. Even if you don't always agree with it, even if it's not your method of, of doing things, awesome. Was on the blaze, not renewing his contract. You know, typically... At this level, it's, it's because of money and there's no shame in that. People are entitled to get paid what they're worth and not make money for other people without making money for themselves. Announces he's not renewing with the blaze. Uh, Alex Stein, primetime 99, pimp on a blimp or shrimp on a, well, whatever. It's pimp on a blimp. He's, he's coming onto the blaze. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll retain that market of, of, of niche content. Uh, starts looking to contract with other parties. Uh, and then gets uh, outraged by negotiations he had with an unnamed party, but everybody knew it was the Daily Wire. Uh, he didn't mention it when he went through the contract and said, look at this there. It's exploitive. It's unduly punitive on content creators. It seeks to censor them. Uh, it basically says if YouTube uh, or other platforms uh, demonetize your content, that we pay you less under the contract. And people were rightly, uh, based on that information at that stage of the discussion, rightly enraged. Crowder comes out with a contract, it's redacted the names, that basically says, uh, if you get demonetized on YouTube, we're going to pay you 25% less than what we owe you under the contract. If you get de demonetized on Spotify, 10%. Apple, 20%. I don't whatever it is. There was a whole um, section. And he says, look, this is a conservative outlet that prides itself, that promotes itself on being free speech, supporting independent thought, and now I've seen behind the curtains, and they exploit their, their creators. They make them work exorbitant... Uh, uh, you know, exorbitant amounts. Uh, they give them onerous terms of contract that penalize them if they are sick, if they miss a day, that onerous terms of contract that penalize them if they get demonetized subsequent to flagging, brigading, whatever, and then cease, uh, seeks to pass the buck of the penalty onto the creator, uh, thus doing YouTube's censorship and bidding for them. And he's not entirely wrong in that assessment to some extent. Um, everybody knew it was the Daily Wire although it wasn't confirmed, which, um, you know, some people say it, it, to, to, to Crowder's credit, he didn't name the party. But if we want to argue both sides of that, steel man both sides of it, yes, he didn't name the party, even though everybody knew who he was talking about. Also, not naming the party is not necessarily even more fair because he probably couldn't due to confidentiality provisions. Not naming the party is not necessarily all that much better because it causes suspicion among the community at large. Was he talking about... The, the you know the, the, he couldn't have been talking about Rumble because Rumble was one of the platforms in the contract that they would have you know monetized his content. Was he talking about OAN, Fox News? So it it creates suspicion within the community. 
other than making accusations publicly, which the fights should be uh, fights among allies, among ideological allies to some extent, should be fought privately. There's the old expression: compliment publicly, criticize privately. Uh, so, not naming the party. It's a double-edged sword. Some could say everybody knew who you were talking about. By not naming them, you were still naming them. Others can say by not naming them, you're creating suspicion at large, which is not fair to the other non-implicated parties, whatever. Um, so Stephen Crowder puts out this video and starts a website called Stop the Con, predicated on the notion that purported conservative outlets are actually working hand-in-hand with social media, big tech censorship, to censure independent voices through the terms of that contract. Uh, Well, yesterday, uh, the Daily Wire comes out with their video and says, yeah, it's us. Yeah, that's our contract. And yeah, we think it's a good contract and we don't think we've done anything wrong. And they put out, what's my problem here? They put out a 52-minute video, which I've now watched twice. Once to understand and twice to timestamp so I could actually pull up the relevant sections. And they put out, uh, It's I I say like, you may not... uh, You may not be convinced or swayed by it, but they put out a rather compelling, a rather defensible position. On the one hand, they allege that Crowder just misunderstood certain provisions of the contract. And on the other hand, um, they also say, dude, they do some things which are, they're not dirty. They're they're moves that they're allowed to make because Crowder, Crowder, uh, you know, did what, Crowder not pulled the first punch, but Crowder made the first move. So they're playing chess now. Like you had, you had, a, you had a, a set table of chess. And it's like, okay, well, I'll play you if you play. Oh, oh I don't really want to play. I'm t- Oh, well, I just moved first. So now I get to move. Now we're in a game of chess. This is uh, influence chess, social media chess, um, and at the end of the day, business chess. Because at the end of the day, this comes down to money to some extent. And not, not in a cynical, unjust way, just in a realistic Nobody's running charities here. Not Steven Crowder, not Daily Wire. So Crowder moved first, and one could have anticipated what's going to be the next move. Well, uh, Daily Wire comes out. I forget the guy's name, Joseph. Oh, yeah, Joseph Boring. That's an unfortunate name. Oh, we'll call him Baring. We'll call him Baring. He comes out, and now because Crowder made the first move, Baring comes out and says, look, this is our contract. We don't need people to defend us for this. We're proud of it. And by the way, we were offering Crowder $50 million over four years. And $25 million for a renewal of two years if we decide to renew. That $50 million, just so nobody says Viva is uh, being disingenuous, that $50 million uh, is not like net to Crowder. That $50 million is so that Crowder can produce his own show uh, that the Daily Wire would uh, have intellectual propriety ownership over during the term of the contract. So like they say, Crowder says, look, I don't want you guys producing my show. I want to produce it. I have my team. I have my style. I have, I have everything. I'll produce it. You give me $50 million a year, I will guarantee, uh, sorry, not $50 million a year, $50 million over four years. I will assume the costs of producing, employing everything, my own show, and I will deliver to you 192 shows a year. And, and you know, if, if, it, if it costs Crowder, you know, it, the margins here, depending on who you ask, will vary. If it costs Crowder 20% to produce the show, well, then that's 80% that, in theory, Crowder and others split. If it costs him 50%, uh, to produce the show. Well, then that's 50. Whatever, and whatever it is, if, if there's $2 million left over for the annual 12 and a half million for production of the show, the 192, that goes to Crowder. I've heard varying um, estimates as to what the costs of production of, of Crowder's show would have been, but that's it. 
So now Daily Wire comes out and they get to say, look, it's our contract. We like it. And by the way, we had no one mentioned it before. We had offered Crowder $50 million. And then there were some other odds and ends in there to produce his own show, 192 a year, uh, along with other stuff. We get to monetize his channel and content during the agreement. We get to monetize his old content during the agreement. But after the agreement, that old content reverts back to Crowder. Uh, we get to mo- we get to monetize social media platforms that we create during the context of this agreement. We own the content that he creates during this agreement. So Crowder, here's 50 million bucks. You may not be an employee. You might be a subcontractor or whatever, but your work product for the duration of this agreement where we pay you $50 million a year to produce it belongs to us. Some of you might not like these terms. Um, and in which case, you know, the obvious thing would be thank you, but no, thank you. I don't agree to this. And, and let's move on. Where, uh, hold on, let me just get to the notes. So where there were particular issues were the penalties that would result from potential demonetization because Daily Wire is saying, we get to monetize all the content. We own the content you create under the terms of this agreement. We get to monetize what you created before, uh, but you will own it after the agreement. Um, But if you get demonetized or if your content ceases being monetizable on certain platforms because of the things you say, we're going to apply certain penalties. Uh, and it was 25% for YouTube, 10% for the, but bottom line, it doesn't matter what the numbers are. If it gets demonetized on Spotify or canceled, if it gets demonetized elsewhere, Daily Wire is going to apply a penalty because we're paying you $50 million so that we can monetize your content during the term of the agreement. If we can no longer monetize it, uh, we can't pay you the, we're not going to pay you the amount that we guaranteed to pay you on the basis that we could monetize it and therefore recoup the investment of the 50 million. Like it or don't like it, that's the idea. And it's, it's not, it's not uh, irrational. It actually kind of makes decent business sense. The issue is, as some are making a, a compelling argument, um, is the Daily Wire doing the censorship for YouTube in the video? Jeff says, uh, "Look, it's not. It's not. Uh, we're not taking the money away from them. YouTube is. Well, that's six of one way, half a dozen the other. Because YouTube takes it away, then you take it away. So it kind of is you doing it for YouTube. The question is, though." Is that actually suppressing free speech? Are they trying to lock Crowder in so they can then slowly whittle down his independent voice, control the content that he creates, so on and so forth? Well, I really brought that screen up too early uh, because I want to go back to Rumble and just see what the chat's saying there. I, I think that's a, a fair assessment. I think that's a fair assessment. Let me see here. 50 million over four years, correct. 50 million over four years. Uh, 50 million, if I said 50 million a year, I think I said that by accident. It's 50 million over four years plus 25 million for a two-year renewal at the at the sole discretion of of um, Daily Wire. Okay, go watch Ricade Law. He has a different opinion of the scope of the contract. Well, I don't. I I didn't get to watch Ricade Law. I watched Barnes, and Barnes makes a very very compelling argument, which I'm going to get to in a second, and then we're going to discuss it Sunday night. Okay. The monetization is the issue. Daily Wire knows YouTube demonetizes Crowder a lot. Well, MK Geiger, 1968, that's a fair point. We're going to get to it because the Daily Wire addresses it. Some people are saying, well, Crowder's already demonetized on on YouTube, so it makes no sense. And the guy, let me me get to that part of the video. I took notes again, people. Um, Gosh darn it. I don't remember where the part of... He said, we understand that, and it wouldn't make sense for Crowder to start signing a contract that is that is 
that starts off with a 25% penalty. So these were negotiations that can go back and forth because I have a sneaking suspicion. And as much as that contract was long and thoroughly drafted, there's a lot of boilerplate uh, provisions in it that you negotiate afterwards. And, and, and the guy from Daily Wire's ultimate point was, this was our initial letter of intent, our initial offer, open-ended offer. Where you, you, don't, you don't commit to everything in the first draft. You certainly don't give everything the other party's asking in the first LOI. And we would have gone back and forth, not have Crowder do what he did, which probably burnt a lot of bridges. Um, Speaker McCarthy, Channel YouTube, offer to Crowder. Here we go. I'll just go, I'm going to go through the, 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 the points of note that I, that I took. Well, and we'll get to it. And Barnes has a very, very good point, which Barnes is a smart guy. Uh, and beyond smart is an understatement. It's, it's a thoroughly justified and supported position. It, do, it doesn't mean that there's no rebuttals to Barnes's arguments. So I, I suspect Barnes and Mercada are uh, espousing a similar view on this. Okay, so hold on. Let's just start off at the beginning here. Uh, All right. Our friend Stephen Crowder has launched a new initiative called Stop Big Con. And in the video announcing the launch of the project, he talked about leaving the blaze and all the different offers that he fielded from other conservative organizations and what he thought were the real problems with those offers. And that's led a lot of people to speculate about whether or not the Daily Wire is one of the people who made him an offer. In particular, are we the ones who made the offer uh, that he put up on the screen and talked about um, at length? And well, let me just start off with the Our Friend... That's passive aggressive. <laughs> let's let's not let's be. He's uh, this guy. What's his name? Jeremy gives a very very polished uh, performance. Uh, performance. He gives a polished presentation. He's this guy's not dumb. This guy didn't get to where he is by being dumb. Uh, I, and I don't think he got to where he is by being dishonest either. Because you don't you only go so far in life by being dishonest. Um, but the starting off with our friend. And the there's a, there's a, there are several elements of passive aggressiveness in here, but quite obvious because I think he'd he'd like to be aggressive if, if he could. The answer is yes. That offer did come from the Daily Wire. Uh, I'm not trying to hide that fact. I'm not ashamed of that fact. In fact, I think it's a very good offer. Um, but I think there's a lot of well. So for, of, of course he would think it's a good offer because they they would make money and they would be able to minimize their risk. That's 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 business. What did I get at first? Here, five minutes. Here's the document: the non-binding confidential term sheet. I'm just going to walk you through it. Non-binding, and he didn't mention confidential term sheet by accident. Non-binding confidential term sheet. And the argument is going to be whether or not, uh, you know, at the end of the video, he says, well, the, Crowder didn't sign, so there's no um, confidentiality binding the parties. He mentioned it. That, that, that also is another dig. Uh, six minutes. Oh, with the six minutes, we get the terms of the agreement. So this is for anybody who doesn't want to watch They're going to beat it up a little bit. They're going to say, well, this should be higher and this should be lower. He's talking about the negotiations back and forth. That would typically be had. And you're going to come back and say, no, we're going to stand firm here, but we're willing to compromise there. And over time, you either get to a deal or you don't get to a deal. But that, that's how a good faith negotiation always works. 100% of every uh, interaction I've ever had with any talent, that's the process. Uh, and so here we go. Here was our offer. A four-year initial term with two-year renewal at DW's sole discretion. That just means Stephen's going to work for DW for four years. Uh, and if it's going really well, DW can retain him for an additional two years. Two, uh, the fee. Remember, this is the, the minimum number uh, that we thought would get the conversation started with Stephen. $50 million for the initial term plus $25 million for the renewal term if extended 
paid in monthly installments. That's, that, that was, you could hear the audio was a little different. That was edited over there. So that's the term. That's the term. Uh, eight minutes. They talk about content and monetization during the term. Only existing content. This just, again, Stephen's going to produce his own content. It has to be as good as the stuff uh, that Stephen's audience has come to expect from him. Um, and that'll come out of the 50 million. So it's not like, it's not like all of that 50 million goes right in Stephen's pocket. He's going to use some of it to pay for producers and and bottom line so that nobody thinks this is 50 million for crowder and then daily wire you know produces everything and Crowder's is a big greedy bastard 50 million 50 million over four years but he but back crowder has to assume the costs of production what happens here there's something here for various reasons right he can approve to he can disapprove of like 10 percent of the ones we bring oh, in they're, they're talking he can about disapprove if he owns equity and a direct review. competitor of one of the advertisers that we bring him but point d if he doesn't read the requested ads within that framework then the content that he made won't be counted as delivered under the contract because it's all fine and good that he made a piece of content, but if we can't make any money off of it, then we're just paying him so that he can make a show. We're not paying him so that we can participate in any of the success of that show. And, and so the idea here is he's got to do ad reads. He has the right to refuse 10% of the, the requested ad reads. He has the right, obviously, to refuse ad reads that are for competitors. Uh, and then he has to do the other ones. And if he doesn't do ad reads for other reasons that are not contractually provided, there'll be a reduction or a penalty, which makes sense because that's, I mean, it makes sense to ask for this. And then you can negotiate back and forth. Like, okay, well, I get 10 freebies or whatever. This was the initial uh, non-binding offer uh, or letter of intent, however you want to call it. So, um, and so the, and, and I guess the main criticism from, from Jeremy is that there, there was no negotiation. Uh, Crowder got very angry at the initial offer. Uh, replied to him as such and, 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 then, and then went public without, went public without going public. I, I want to just, I want to highlight this because th- th- he said, I find it offensive four times in the Subtract video. a little bit extra. And again, you pay somebody $50 million, you should get the work. Monthly and quarterly content. Well, this is more valuable content and there's less of it. So the fee is higher, $250,000 if he misses that kind of content. Annual content. Well, this is the most important, most expensive content. If you were supposed to have done a complete documentary this year and you didn't deliver it, well, we're going to subtract a million dollars because that's one of the most important uh, high-value pieces of content that we asked you to make that year. And by the way, to explain that, in addition, so 50 million over four years, produce your own content, but he had other obligations for which, uh, well, he would not be remunerated, which were included in that 50 million, and that is that he would have to produce a documentary and a comedy special, one one special political, one special comedy a year for Daily Wire that they would have, they would take care of the marketing, the production costs for, but he'd have to do it as as um, part and parcel of his 50 million. Uh, over four years would be every year, two specials, political comedy, Daily Wire assumes the costs, advertising, production, everything, but he has to commit to it. And if he doesn't, a million dollar penalty. Again, hey. These are not charities. This is not the uh, issue in principle. This is not, this is not uh, the, the, the basis of the ideological disputes between Crowder and Daily Wire, and we'll get to it. And then Deed just says reset. The fee reduces each calendar uh, year. So okay, where, where does he know, say? Every year you kind of start over. You start over fresh. Now I think he says it. Uh, that brings us to 13, reduction of fee from lost revenue or boycotts. Again, this is one of the points that Stephen really focused on. He says we're enforcers for big tech, that we're doing big tech bidding, that we're punishing content creators uh, if they run afoul 
of big tech. And first of all, that's just personally incredibly offensive. Don't care. Incredibly, Don't care. Incredibly offensive to have your friend and ally uh, in in ten years of fighting this fight uh, alongside one another. All, all that to say, nobody cares. It's not an argument. Being offended is not an argument. Uh, especially in, nobody cares about your feelings. Just to quote Ben Shapiro, or facts don't care about your feelings. I understand what he's doing. Uh, he's trying to humanize the the dispute here. He's also probably is very offended at what happened. But he says, I, I found that offensive four times in this video, which I found that suspicious, but it doesn't matter. Uh, do I need to go to, he says it again at the, he said one good thing at 38, which is I think part of the part of the, the disagreement hit. here. Continue to pay him guaranteed money, whether his show makes money or not. And then we lose the business as a result. And now no one pays Steven anything and no one releases Steven's content. He has to go build it all from scratch in crisis. Ban. The Crowder content cannot be released on any of the major platforms because of his content being banned from those platforms. Then we'll reduce the fee if YouTube 20, if Apple 20, if Facebook 10, if Spotify 10. Same kind of concept. If the content simply cannot appear and therefore cannot not only be used for marketing, cannot be used to grow the brand, also can't be monetized, well, we can't pay him the same as if it was. If you're making 25% of your money on YouTube uh, and now YouTube is permanently gone, we, you can't make that money anymore. It's not punishment. This is really what it comes down to. Stephen's philosophy seems to be, I deserve to be paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. Maybe he does. Whether my show drives the revenue or not. Maybe he does. And maybe the revenue from other sources more than compensates for the YouTube. Maybe the, what's the word? The, the uh, gravitational pulling of Crowder attracts other bodies to Daily Wire that more than compensate for whatever might be lost on YouTube. Those are negotiation questions. The issue here is the intent behind these issues. The issue here, the disagreement here is the purported, presumed, or actual intent of these provisions. And that's what we're gonna get to, but this is a very well eloquently uh, spoken sentiment. That's not a business relationship. That, he's not looking for a business relationship. He's looking for a benefactor. The Daily Wire is not a nonprofit. We... It's, a good, it's a good line. Like it or not, that's a good line. Uh, the idea that basically uh, Daily Wire is saying, look, uh, Crowder is coming in with the perspective that doesn't matter whether he's profitable or not, although I think he thinks and knows that he would be. He wants X amount of dollars regardless of whether or not we can make money off of his content. At Crowder's going to say, you're going to make money off of other aspects, whether or not you make money off of monetization on YouTube, it's more than well worth it. Nego points for negotiation in, in, in contract negotiations. The issue here, and it's the one that Barnes, and I, 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 presume, I presume Riketa also brought up, is whether or not um, this is part and parcel of mainstream conservative media, and that being the Daily Wire, mainstream conservative media, not surreptitiously, but through the back door, directly, indirectly, deliberately, or accidentally, suppressing independent conservative voices. That's the issue. Why is Daily Wire doing it? Is Daily Wire doing it so they can rein in Crowder, suppress his speech, uh, limit his content, guide his content, thus silencing one of the true few independent conservative voices? Because I consider myself to be true and independent, but I like maybe I'm maybe I'm being stubborn here. I don't consider myself to be conservative yet, although I take it as a compliment when people call me that. Um, 
Viva, they want to control him, says DVR Denmark. But th that's the question. And my report, my retort, and I'm going I'm to talk about it with Barnes on, on, on Sunday. In that video, Jeremy makes a, a very good point that we, whether or not he has to tame it down on YouTube, first of all, Crowder already does that to some extent. He, he is demonetized on YouTube, but he's still on the platform. And, and maybe, maybe he does not um, limit any content that he creates whatsoever simply to continue to remain on the platform. Maybe. I suspect he probably doesn't. There, there are some jokes which he'll say, even though I've been demonetized, I still won't make those on YouTube. There's certain comments I won't make on YouTube because that'll just get me booted from the platform above and beyond already demonetized. Jeremy from the Daily Wire's argument in, in the video is, we don't want to silence him, suppress him, curtail what he has to say. In fact, the opposite. He's got a segment, which I, which I now know about, called Piss Off YouTube. On, or he had it on, um, on The Blaze. The idea that you say, hey, guys, I can't make these jokes. Oh, I can't make this commentary on YouTube. So come to, come to The Blaze or come to The Daily Wire where I'm going to say what would otherwise piss off YouTube. That would be the retort. And in which case, that's going to maybe put a, 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 a stick in the spoke of that wheel of an argument that they're trying to control and limit what he has to say. If what they're saying is, no, maybe on that platform, just to keep the biggest bullhorn to the biggest audience of 2 billion people while directing them over uh, to the Daily Wire where he can make his segments piss off YouTube. Shit I can't say on YouTube. It's a great idea for a segment. That's the retort. The problem here, and people don't... Um, Actually, let, let, me, let me, before I even say the, the tribalistic arguments, but remind me if I forget. The problem here um, is that you're dealing with track records, you're dealing with histories, you're dealing with individuals, and Robert Barnes made an amazing point on vivabarneslaw.locals.com. You're dealing with an entity that has traditionally, the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, been pro-vax until they were not pro-vax, um, been pro-war, been anti-Trump and, and, and anti-MAGA, uh, anti-pro-Trump uh, anti, uh, candidates. And so, you know, you're imputing uh, intentions based on history. You say, look, Shapiro has been consistently wrong on a number of things where he's limited the discussion. And this would be the Daily Wire's effort to take someone like Crowder, who has been vocally anti-vax, vocally pro-Trump, vocally critical of the election, uh, what was the other one? Vocally critical of the war and silence him, rein him in, tame him like a, like a wild horse. Or maybe just don't get kicked off YouTube so that we can have access to 2 billion people and then defer them over to the Daily Wire. It's, it's one of the reasons where in my, you know, agree, uh, my agreement with, with Rumble, it's not a question of just coming off YouTube and, 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 and dropping the biggest market on earth because that's where you need to... Not siphon the traffic. That's where you need to continue to generate the traffic from. Now, Barnes said it on, on, on Locals yesterday. I, I wouldn't have agreed to any of these terms either myself. Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm, not in the, the, I'm not in the figures of this, but I am in the freedom of this. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to um, have these sort of Democles hanging over my head. But I wouldn't have tolerated those conditions had I seen them. But it's not something like even Rumble understands the freedom of expression is the idea. You don't come off the biggest platform and cut your nose off to spite your face out of principle. That's good for nobody. It's not even good for Rumble. So that's, that is the discussion. Is it an indirect, surreptitious um, way for the Daily Wire to try to silence an independent voice? Or, as the Daily Wire 
is going to argue, is it a way to amplify that voice while creating parallel infrastructure to give that voice a safe platform? Come off YouTube, people. We're going to have the nasty show on the Daily Wire. Some people are very suspicious of uh, Daily Wire Ben Shapiro because of their consistent historical positions, which have proven to be bad. Ben Shapiro has to come out now and yeah, I got I, I got duped on the vax because uh, you know I was relying on the experts. Well, being too deferential to the authorities is is a problem to begin with. But whatever, that's the dispute. Uh, where do I stand on this? I would have signed that contract. I I, I genuinely think Crowder's way of doing uh, going about this um, it was not the best way. Uh, for his own best interest as well, like the issue is that I mentioned it yesterday, like an employee that, sh that shits on their former boss, um, especially when, 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 when applying for a new job, well, everybody's going to uh, approach that employee with, with a great deal of skepticism. Any, anytime an employee poops on their former boss, the prospective employer knows that that employee is going to do the same thing about them to another future boss. Uh, when, when, what Crowder's done is made public a private dispute uh, and it's going to be a deterrent, I presume, for other parties. And I'm speaking for nobody except for what my rationale would be as a strategist. It might be a very big deterrent for Fox News to engage with him if they ever would, or OAN. And so strategically, I don't like making private disputes public unless there's a damn good reason. Secondly, and it, it can allow people to, to cast aspersions on Crowder's intentions as well. Like is it, Making these accusations, it's not without um, people viewing it uh, as a potential uh, exploitive technique on its own. There are people who are going to say that Crowder's doing this to drum up the drama so he can get uh, email lists of people to log on to his new platform and that his intentions aren't pure. Once you start publicly um, impugning someone else's intentions, people are going to do that to you. And whether or not the contract was just exploitive, that Daily Wire is just playing it a little bit too safe by not pissing off the, the big tech overlords, um, uh, that's that's a critique of the company. And if you don't like the company, you don't like the contract, don't go there. But uh, to do this, I mean, the question is going to be, right or wrong, does it make Crowder look good in the long run? Um, and are people going to impugn Crowder's intentions to the same degree to which he's impugned the Daily Wires? But as far as the concerns go, Barnes makes a damn compelling point. This could be a very subtle way of suppressing, silencing, reigning in, in truly independent, provocative conservative voices. And I can totally understand that. Now, I want to ask him about some of my questions later on, but there's a lot of super rumble rants that I want to get to here. Uh, and I'm going to go backwards from bottom to top. You know, I'll just start at the bottom here. Um, he says he's exposing soul suckers from beers. Well, Meep Kid says, in the same argument, they say copy the same business model Crowder on piss off YouTube, kind of counter it. In the same argument, they say, copy the same business model, Crowder, on piss off YouTube, kind of counter it. I think so. If what you mean by that is piss off YouTube as a, as a, as a concept on the Daily Wire counters the argument that they're kowtowing to um, YouTube censorship, I agree. Um, okay, then we got James JK1234. DW, Daily Wire needs to understand that there is a value add for Crowder. Well, I'm sure they do. It's not, it's not that they don't. 
whether or not they're getting greedy is another question. $50 million, 75 million over six years, plus they assume production costs for the documentaries, which they make money off of, of course, plus they assume advertising costs for all of Crowder's content, which they make money off of and Crowder doesn't. They're just trying to figure out a way to make money off their investments. That's, that's, not, um, that's not sacrilegious. They most likely do understand this provision should be considered insulting even everything they know. DW is obviously money first. T t taking an offer that you don't like as an insult, look, it's, uh, you know what it's going to get you? It'll get you, it'll, it'll maybe make you do something rash that will not be in your best interest in the long run. And it just causes fights among people who should be working together and not fighting each other. You find it insulting? Take a, take a little pill, take a nap, chill out, and then go back to negotiating. With the idea that you negotiate and everything you don't like is an insult, well, that's, that's a, it's a juvenile way of approaching business negotiations. You, you might be insulted. Okay. And to, 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 to use the quote, offense is taken, not given. You find it insulting? How dare they not offer me $100 million? A, maybe check yourself. And B, maybe just take a deep breath and say, that's good. I'm insulted. Get over it. Go back to negotiating. Rob A. Viva, would you take $50 million over four years, the rest to be negotiated? Or is that figure too low? Let's just, would I take, let's just assume I even had the 50 million. My concern for that amount of money is that people think they own you. Like 50 million. I mean, geez, Louise. Uh, the other thing is how much, how much money do you need in your life? 192 episodes a year for what he does. It's a shit ton of work. I don't know what his family situation is like. I don't know what his personal life is like. 192 Crowder episodes a year, plus a documentary, plus a comedy special, plus uh, appearances, plus, plus all the stuff. I mean, Jesus, I don't know what would be left in his life for that amount of money. Maybe it's worth it. I don't know. But um, for good or for bad, I don't have those problems to, to deal with. Kenzie67. $5 Rumble Round says, LWC Louder with Crowder has a base of over $6 million. He is a sure bet. He smells merch and mug club. He sells merch and mug club. He wasn't looking for an offer. He just checked it out. Crowder was speaking up for small, younger creators. Get it. Uh, I get it. 6 million subs, 6 million followers. What do you think the conversion rate on... What do you think the conversion rate percentages of followers to paid subscribers? 6 million subs is good. It's free, uh, Kenzie. So what do you think is the... Um, realistic conversion rate of, of, of percentage-wise. You have a million subs and you say, guys, it's going behind the paywall. How many do you think join you there? 5%? Way too much. By Barnes' own assessment, it's 1% to 2%, which is still big. It's 300,000. Or sorry, if it's 1% to 2%, 300,000 is... The hell's my problem? I'm going to embarrass myself. It, it's Even at 1% to 2%, it's a lot. Uh, but what do you think the conversion rate? Six million free subs does not convert. It's not 50%. It's not 20%. It's not 10%. It's 5% at, at most generous. And it's 1% to 2% realistically. Still a lot. But then negotiate. What's, what's the use of blowing up the ship? What's the use of blowing up the ship and, and imputing the, the illest of intentions to the Daily Wire? Um, Genkin says he wouldn't be punished. Just penalties will apply. That makes it better. Uh, it's a penalty. If you don't do what you're contractually bound to do and you've agreed to a penalty for not doing what you're contractually bound to do, what do you think should happen? If you don't like the provision, don't sign it. This is ganking $10. If you don't like it, don't sign it. If you sign it, don't complain about it. But don't complain about something that you, that you didn't negotiate back and forth and you didn't agree to. Oh, it's terrible. Imagine. Imagine the Daily Wire wants to find ways to hedge their bets, um, make more money. Imagine that.
Okay, Genkin, $10 says, basing penalties on actions from third parties that do not sign the contract and nobody on the contract have control over is beyond insulting. It's funny, for, for, for a crowd that always says, no, you know, your emo- you know, facts don't care about your feelings, a lot of people are invoking insult, et cetera. The idea that they would say, if we cannot monetize so as to recoup our investment in you, we should split some of those loss, some of those risks, uh, you can consider it insulting, Okay, is the idea now that when we when anyone engages in a contract that has an insulting provision, they're going to f off and go public and make a make a public spectacle out of it? If it, there is probably room to negotiate, especially since he was already demonetized on YouTube, so the idea of a twenty five percent penalty didn't make sense to begin with. It was probably in there from a, a template provision from a previous contract. Oh, it's beyond insulting. Oh, okay. Well, it's, I, I didn't re- I didn't realize we were we were all very sensitive. And in negotiation of contracts for $50 million deals, um, you know, we could just say it's beyond insulting. I'm walking away. I'm flipping the table over. Uh, let me see if I missed any other ones here. So that, that's uh, okay. Well, we got, I'm not your buddy guy says, if you ask me, if you ask me, a part of me ponders that the Daily Wire never intended to bring Crowder on, but wanted to put an offer out there. They hoped he would reject so they, they could at least say they tried to help a friend. I, I don't think that's a realistic interpretation given what we, what we see to be the terms of that agreement, 75 million over six years. I do wonder what, what Crowder's production costs are, because that is that is uh, the important factor in all of it, obviously. No more Trudeau. I already puked. Okay, good. So uh, Space Power Monkey says, yes, if you turn in total bullshit with 50 million on it, then they should walk out on you while laughing really hard. Let me see. If you turn in total bullshit with 50 million on it, they should walk out on you while laughing real hard. Peacemaker says, why not make it public when someone acts this shady? Peacemaker, I'm curious, what do people think is so shady about this? These are, these are almost standard, you may not like them, but they're almost standard provisions. If someone's going to claim monetization over your channel, and then it's subsequently, let's just hypothetically say, um, let's take an example that will be less difficult to, to, to accept. So they take over a monetized channel and the person comes out on that channel and just does nothing but scream racial expletives for 30 minutes. Oh, okay, well, there it's deliberate. There you're deliberately doing what you know will get you demonetized. Do you think that someone who agreed to pay you on monetizing your channel would have to, would have to assume that cost? Like you could take very extreme examples just to make it a little more easy to digest. They say, we're gonna, we're gonna pay you excessive amounts of money and how we're gonna make that money back is by monetizing your content. If you deliberately sabotage the monetizability of your content, I think we would agree uh, that they could apply a provision. Uh, okay, so we can agree on that. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they maybe say like, I, I, I'm locked in for, for whatever and I can produce, I can say the most terrible things that I know are totally against the rules. I don't think most people are going to agree with that. So we agree, you can't do it deliberately. But now if they do it, you know, for politically motivated reasons, um, then you should deal with that. I can appreciate, let's, let's say we agree with that. Okay, they'll say, fine. Uh, we will assume all risk of demonetization everywhere. Do you think the offer should still be 50 million? Or do you think they would say, okay, well, we'll do that. We're going to guarantee you no, str- nothing. No hinging, no hedging, no nothing. But it's not going to be 50 million. Let's just say they had, they'd come up with 25 million to Crowder over four years and no risk whatsoever for Crowder. None of that. Well, the, that's way too much less than the original offer. But if they're going to assume that uh, that risk, it's going to be factored into the amount they're going to pay him, period. And that's normal. 
That's where you'd have negotiations. You say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not stupid. You know that my stuff gets demonetized all the time. Why would I assume that risk? That's what I'm coming here for uh, to avoid. Okay, well, we'll do it, but it's going to be 45 million or 40 million, not 50 million. Um, the price is wrong, Bob. <laughs> Snicker Fritz, um, even worse off. And so that's it. So the, the issue is uh, it's, it's gotten so tribalistic that the second someone disagrees with another another party, even though, you know, in theory, you may not agree with everything Ben Shapiro says. I don't agree with his position on gay marriage. I think it's absolutely, I won't say archaic because it's a religious concept. I disagree with it. Um, it, it disagree with it in, in substance. I'm not sure, uh, you know, if Ben would say, I agree with civil union, but don't call it marriage because marriage in the Bible is a man and a wife, et cetera, whatever. You can disagree with an individual and still be ideologically aligned in the long run. The problem here is everyone has gotten so tribal. The second someone does something that you disagree with, immediately have to go to the, 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 the most ill intentions in order to demonize everything. There, I, 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 do I think the Daily Wire is out there to soft censor independent conservative voices? No. Do, do I think someone can look at this contract and see that as a potential risk? Yes. Do I think it's an actual risk? I, 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 no, I don't see that in reading that contract. Everything that Crowder wanted to do that would have gotten him demonetized off YouTube, he could have done in the same way he was doing with Piss Off YouTube on, an, on another platform. The real risk there, however, is, as we've seen elsewhere, you know, come off YouTube and go to a website where we're doing things that we can't do on YouTube. I do wonder if at some point in time, YouTube is going to um, start penalizing people on the platform for non-offensive examples of doing that. Like, yeah, I want to talk about election fornification, go to, uh, go to my Substack or go to my locals and YouTube is going to say, oh, you can't, you can't promote that on, on YouTube. That's against our terms. Now we're going to yeet you. Um, but I, I, I did not see the hands being tied um, for censorship in the way that some people do, but I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I think it requires knowing intentions that we don't yet know. And do I think that Daily Wire censors uh, uh, Candace Owens? No. Um, were they, you know, like Barnes Notes, though, however? Uh, they did not like the Kanye West incident with, 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 with Candace Owens. But anyhow, that's it. That's the contract. The issue is when you fight, uh, and uh, this is my fundamental belief, when you fight publicly, nobody comes out looking good. Very rarely does any one party come out looking totally good, totally clean, totally proper. Um, deal with that as you may, people. That is my opinion. You do not have to agree with me. Uh, and I hope that uh, you do not always agree with me because that would be that would be weird. Xander Shade Zero says, additionally, Jeremy shits on Crowder claiming that he doesn't understand business, then in the same breath admits that he's not the biggest conservative, that he's the biggest conservative creator, including, then, it, then in the same breath admits that he's the biggest conservative creator, including Daily Wire. Yeah, I, I, did, I did think that, you know, him saying Crowder's not a businessman uh, or, you know, doesn't understand business is, is, is pretty stupid. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's juvenile because it's, I, it's, it's stupid. I mean, Crowder understands business. <laughs> Crowder understands business or he wouldn't have been presented with a $75 million offer over six years. It's not, he's, not just, he's not just like a Picasso that can only paint. He understands business. But there's a lot, but there's a lot of, look, again, nobody's going to come out of this looking totally clean. 
Jeremy sitting there saying, I'm offended in this, you know, uh, and, and then subtle needles, our friend, our confidential agreement, you know, and then disclosing uh, telephone conversations that they had, which I'm sure Crowder's not going to have the same memory of. The whole point is this public fight uh, serves no one and it should have been a negotiation. And at the end of the day, if Crowder thinks that the Daily Wire is um, a shill for the man, a shill for Wojcicki, a shill for whatever, that they compromise their, their conservative beliefs and message for soft censorship, uh, there, there might have been other ways of, um, of doing it more effectively. And and I think for Crowder, I mean, it's it's going to comp it's going to it's going to complicate anybody else's ability to deal, you know, to negotiate with him on a going forward basis because this is what he did to the Daily Wire, without naming them. But I don't think that's much of a defense. It's it's going to be a red flag for anybody else. Will he do this to me in the future if he decides to impute ill intentions to my good faith negotiations? And if you don't think they're good faith negotiations, don't engage in negotiations with them. All right, and that's all I have to say about that. Public debating is very healthy, not outright fighting, in my belief. BKVQ, 100%. If you, think that, if you think that Ben Shapiro is deliberately censoring his voice to remain profitable, uh, call him out on it. People, people have accused me of that. Oh, Viva, you called it the jibby jab. You called it the Rona. Why don't you just call it coronavirus? And I told you why. I'm not cutting off my nose to spite my face. Uh, hey, it's great, to, it's great to yell into the corner of a, of a room. It's also better just to play by the rules, which also illustrates how stupid they are, to keep the biggest access to the biggest platform, to amplify your message, so that you can then drive people over to Rumble, Viva Fry, or over to Locals, vivabarnslaw.locals.com, where you could hear the other opinion coming from Barnes as well. <laughs> James JK1234, $10 Rumble Round says, it isn't that Daily Wire is a shill, it's more of that when negotiating with industry leaders, you don't just start with non-starters. Crowder can just expose it, but it's a non-starter. Crowder can expose it once. Hey, James, this is the type of move. It's, it's you know, they say it's like, it's like the all-in in poker. It works every time except the last. Crowder can do this. He can expose it just once because everybody now going forward is going to know that this is how Crowder rolls if he decides he's been insulted by an offer. That's why, you know, if I, if I were if I were behind closed doors with him, I'd say, don't, don't it's not it's not how you do it. It's not going to make anyone look good, and it's certainly not going to serve your interests in the long run. Unless now he's going to go build it on his own. Okay, let me see. The blind eye says you don't get it either, bro. Leave YouTube, then they will follow you where you don't get canceled. That's, I don't get it, bro. Thank, the blind eye, I, I get it, bro, okay? I get it. And they will follow you, not if they don't know you exist. They'll follow you. Rumble is an amazing platform. It doesn't have 2 billion users. And the funny thing is, even from Rumble's perspective, they don't want their creators jumping ship from YouTube because that's where you go to market. I get it, bro. I hate, I hate being called bro, by the way. Just sorry. That was a pet peeve of mine. All right. I think we're done on that subject anyhow. I'm still missing it, Viva. Kenzie, okay, I'm missing it. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll, we'll agree that those who, do, those who have found nothing insightful from my opinion or my assessment, my analysis, will have found nothing. It will not be the first time. 
Okay, do we go to Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Information warlord, Viva got triggered. Now, like, it's just, it's, 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 it's so easy. It's, it's very easy for people who are not uh, dealing with this, you know, day in and day out for, for years to say, just, oh yeah, that's it, just bur burn it down. Viva, leave YouTube. V leave YouTube so you can say coronavirus instead of the Rona. Leave YouTube so you can say the vaccine instead of jibby jab. It's, 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 there are people out there who will cut off their nose to spite their face. I'm not one of them. And I do genuinely think you highlight the absurdity of all of it by having to create code um, to say the things which they don't let you say, to stay or and sometimes just deal with the demonetization. Once upon a time, any video on Jeffrey Epstein would get demonetized. I, I, that didn't that didn't stop, soft censor me. Every single video on Je on Jeffrey Epstein, regardless of how matter of fact it was, would get demonetized. All right, it didn't it didn't make me change my content. It just made me make more content that was monetizable. So put out a Jeffrey Epstein, put out another video. Ah, okay, let's go to Alec Baldwin. I think we've 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 covered this. We'll see where it goes right now, but it's um. It's interesting. Okay, James JK1234, $10 Rumble Rant. I can appreciate it not being professional. We might have to stop the sentence there. But DW is lucky he even is communicating with them at all. Most companies would ghost you like a bad girlfriend. Sure, he can be more professional. Well, if we if we agree on it not being entirely professional, then we've already agreed on how it could have been done better in the first place. No one is perfect. And that is all. And I and I like Crowder. And 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 I, I it's un, I like Crowder, maybe even more than some people, and it's just un, it's a, it's an unfortunate incident, and and I, I it is, we'll see we'll see where it goes. Uh, okay, Baldwin, who, who could have? Oh my good, I, I need to go back. Anybody gets a prediction? I oh I don't want to say I made a prediction that I didn't make and look like I'm trying to look smarter than I did. Um, did I predict that Baldwin was going to get charged? If anybody can confirm what my prediction was or might have been, I would, um, I would love it. Alec Baldwin charged with involuntary manslaughter in fatal rust shooting districts. I can tell you this, by the way, I'm going to be on, uh, I don't know if it's live, but I'm going to be on Megyn Kelly tomorrow talking about this. May, I think it's going to be live. I'll have to check, but stay tuned. Uh, Alec Baldwin charged with involuntary manslaughter in fatal rust shooting district attorney. Helena Hutchins was killed on October 21 when a gun Alec Baldwin was holding on the set of Rust fired. When the gun fired. How about when he fired the gun? When the gun he was holding fired. Poltergeist. Uh, this, is, this is actually huge news. In real time, the, uh, the New Mexico first judicial district attorney, Mary Carmack Altweez, announced charges in the death of Helena Hutchins. Alec Barton was charged with involuntary manslaughter, according to the district's attorney. The armorer, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, was also charged with involuntary manslaughter. Before announcing the decision, the district attorney's office spent time reviewing a comprehensive report submitted by the Santa Fe. Yeah, he fired the gun. He didn't. He might not have known there was a bullet in it. He might not have known it was a real bullet that was in it. He pulled the trigger as per the FBI. There was a real bullet in it. It went off. The prop gun, which is nothing more than a real gun that is the property of the, 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 the movie set, fired, went off, and killed a woman. It's been over a year since she was killed on the movie set. Um, okay, let's see this. 
Helena died when the gun he was holding fired while practicing a scene in October. Uh, okay. The group has had been rehearsing in a small church. Santa Fe County Sheriff's Department has spent the last year investigating how live rounds made it onto the movie set. Armorer Gutierrez Reed, assistant director, were the only crew members believed to have handled the gun that fired on the set. Never in a million years did Hannah think that live rounds would have been in the dummy round, her attorney said, Jason Bowles. Okay. Who put those there and why is the central question? Did anybody else get charged? Hulls allegedly handed Baldwin a 45 revolver, telling him it was a cold or safe. Prior to that, Gutierrez Reed spun the cylinders to show that the gun, to show what was in the gun, her lawyer said. Baldwin maintained that he did not pull the trigger. Yeah, well. Baldwin had maintained that he did not pull the trigger of the gun once during a primetime interview shortly following the deadly shooting and again on a podcast episode. The actor originally said he pulled the hammer of the gun back as far as he could and released it, but did not pull the trigger. I'm telling you all of this coming out of Alec Baldwin is a, is a linguistic rationalizing of what happened. Just, I'll get to it in a second. Let's just do this. Um, the Rust prosecution could be potentially... The Rusk prosecution could be potentially prosecutions from one to four defendants, she wrote. So there's more on the way, probably. One of the possible defendants is well-known actor Alec Baldwin. Um, they sued for damages. Okay, they settled the lawsuit. The production of Rust will not return to New Mexico. <laughs> Attorney for Rust uh, said the production is considering other locations, including California, but no decisions have been made. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna continue shooting a movie while the individual, the main star, is is under criminal charges bizarre circumstances. Oh, although it hasn't been confirmed whether Baldwin will rejoin the production, Matthew's initial announcement claimed the production would resume with the original players. Not all of them, and I'm not saying that to be glib. It's, um, I, I'm telling you that it, uh, Baldwin's uh, way of rationalizing, I didn't pull the trigger. It's, I'm telling you in his mind, it's semantics. I pulled the hammer all the way back. He said it. And I am sure he either knowingly or unknowingly when the hammer was pulled back, pulled the trigger. But now I'm, there might be mechanisms that don't allow that. But in my mind, when someone says I didn't pull the trigger, it means I didn't pull the trigger in a manner to action the hammer where he might have been able to do both by pulling the hammer back and, and holding the trigger back. So in his mind, I didn't pull the trigger because the trigger didn't pull the hammer back and cause it to release. I just pulled the hammer back <laughs> while compressing the trigger such that when the hammer came back without obstruction, it struck the bullet and the bullet went off how the real bullet got in there, who knows. My standard operating theory, as I broke down a year ago, is that Baldwin pulled the trigger on purpose because he thought there was a blank in the gun and thought it would scare the set because he was frustrated at being told what to do by Helena Hutchins, a director of photography who has no business telling a grade A actor how to hold a gun, what to do. He was tired. He was away from home. He didn't want to be on this low-budget set. And he's got some lowly director of photographer bossing him around, telling him how to hold the gun like this, like this, like this. And he pulled the trigger thinking it was a blank, thinking it would startle everybody uh, as some sort of act of cathartic revenge. And lo and behold, unbeknownst to him, there was a real bullet in the gun. That's my theory. And I'm sticking to it. <sighs> how does one live with themselves after such an accident? Sephardine Squibb. I'll tell you how they have to convince themselves it wasn't their fault. They have to uh, detach themselves in every spiritual, emotional, meaningful sense from the incident itself. And, um, and that's it. Uh, or, or they actually have to very much atone and make peace. And I don't know how you can make peace with yourself. I, I, even if it's a bona fide accident, I don't know how you do it. All guns are loaded. 
all guns are always real. Jacob Castro, absolutely. Uh, Viva Baldwin should have cleared the gun. His explanation, this is from DVR Downmark. Um, I, I, it's, not, it's not up to me. I don't second guess the person who's been hired as the expert to make sure the gun is cold and safe, et cetera, et cetera. That was his explanation on uh, George Stephanopoulos and on subsequent other explanations. <laughs> uh, Unknown Citizen 2020 says Baldwin is great at playing an asshole because he is one in real life. Charges, involuntary manslaughter. What was the, um, what was the uh, maximum sentence he can get for that? Detonator says Crowder is the new Tom McDonald of podcast space. He will do it his way. No boss, no contracts, no team outside his employees. That's probably the way he had to do it in the first place. And then, and then if, but for anyone who wants to impute intentions, the question is going to be, was, was this a question of drumming up drama to you know, publicize that ultimate route versus doing it quietly and saying, okay, no deal. I'm going to go out on my own and wish me luck. And yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll see where it goes. But yes, there are some people who cannot have uh, a boss. They're, they're called uh, unemployable, but for the, for the best of reasons. They're unemployable for the best reasons that they, they can't, they can't be submit. They cannot be suppressed, stifled by external pressure, external control, external limitations. And I'm um, not, not to compare myself to Crowder because he's immensely, uh, maybe immensely more creative and immensely more successful. It's why I had to leave, uh, the law firm at, at the, at the big law firm, you know, skyscraper shirt and tie, you take, the, you take the damn mandates the senior partner gives you. You do the work that they ask you to do. You don't ask questions, and you don't have the rights to have moral objections to strategy in a file. You do it, you shut up, and you take your healthy salary of $85,000 a year, uh, health benefits and everything else, and, 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 and you say thank you for it. I, I'd rather be the skinny, wild dog than the fat dog with you know, no hair around uh, the neck because of the collar. Yeah, hey, hey, Viva, New Zealand Prime Minister resigned. Let's, let's, let's bring that. Hold on. So, okay, we've done it all, people. We've done it all. Uh, we did. Oh, gosh, yes. Ezra Levant, Albert Bourla. The latest, louder with Crowder, Daily Wire. Alec Baldwin. And now let me see what I have in the backdrop, because I have some other articles. I'm in the wrong window here. Hold on. Screen. What? What did I? Oh yeah, no. The, the, here, here's a story that I just came across. Jake Tapper tweeted it out. Another January sixth defendant just gets a cool year in prison. A, just a cool year in prison. Now, you know, Jake Tapper tweets it out, and his tweet. If I if I'm gonna I'm gonna read his tweet, I'm not gonna pull it up because it's not worth it. And then and then I'll I'll, I'll just share my my. Uh, introspective uh, thought process with you. Jake Tapper writes, Inquirer, that's the article, quote, a Philly man bragged about wanting to relieve himself in Pelosi's office on January 6th. Now he's headed to prison, end quote. That's all he does. I know that I impute a sense of approval from Jake Tapper's tweet. I know it. I am, I am imputing to Jake in a tweet that has nothing but a factually correct quotation from the article and a link. I'm imputing some sort of 
glee, some sort of relishing in the guy's misery, some sort of tacit approval. But I have to appreciate that that is all in my own being. And it may or may not be what Jake Tapper intended by tweeting just the story. Maybe he just wants to let people, maybe he thinks it's an injustice, but he can't say it. Let's read the story, shall we? Philadelphia Inquirer. A Philly man bragged about wanting to relieve himself in Pelosi's. He wanted to take a shit on her desk. That was his, that was his joke he said on Facebook afterwards. Imagine that. Oh, he, he didn't do it. He didn't take a dump on Pelosi's desk when he was there and presumably had the opportunity. He just said he, wanted, he bragged about it after having entered the Capitol Hill. The, the details of this, for one year in prison, I don't know how much time he's going to get out on, like how much earlier he's going to get out. We'll see if it... After the attack, James Rom Jr. posted on Facebook that he'd walk through Pelosi's office and should have shit, unless, unless he meant sit on her chair. A judge sentenced him Wednesday to a year in prison. He had the opportunity. He didn't do it. He said as a joke afterwards, I should have done it. And that's being held against him. But, but he's being convicted for, I don't know, what, we'll see what he got convicted for. A year in prison for that. Going into the Capitol, walking through the office, and then afterwards saying he should have taken a dump on Pelosi's desk. And, and just wait until they, they, they took Winston. This man's name is not Winston. What's his name? James Rom. They took James Rom, the proverbial Winston, from 1984, and they made him say, I love Big Brother. They made him say two plus two is five while sending him to jail. Washington, after storming the Capitol on January 6, 2021, with an angry mob of supporters of former President Donald Trump, James Rom Jr. took to Facebook to brag about what he'd done. Walked right through Pelosi's office, he wrote, I should have taken a dump on her chair. I don't know why he has that accent from Philadelphia. Uh, what's Philadelphia accent? Wait, I can't do it. But as a U.S. District Judge, Thomas F. Hogan sentenced the Philadelphia construction company owner Wednesday to a year in prison for his role in the insurrection. They still, just say it, it's become a fact now. The lie has become a fact. Insurrection. Why? No one was charged with or convicted of insurrection. At worst, they got seditious conspiracy, which is a separate criminal infraction to insurrection. And yet, the lie has become the truth. He recoiled. Oh, he recoiled. Oh, how dare he say he would take a shit on Pelosi's desk? I've never made any such joke in my life before. I've never made a joke like that. Like these plebs, these lowly citizens, these animals. These animals, they storm to Pelosi's office and make... Crass remarks about defecating on her leather chair. Oh, God, off to jail. You're lucky I don't call you a, a linguistic terrorist for that. Whether you were exaggerating or boasting, how about neither because he didn't do it and he had the opportunity to do it. Whether you were exaggerating or boasting, I don't know, Hogan said, but I hope we have learned in this country that words do matter, whether they're from the president or someone else. Can you, uh, this is a court of law. This is a judge sentencing a man to a year in prison, not for the word. I, I, was the crime saying that he was going to shit on her desk? Is that the crime? Threats to defecate? Threficate? Whether from the president, the punishment, which included three year probation and an order he repay restitution for the damages caused by the capital attack, makes Rom the 19th Pennsylvanian to face prison time for his role in an attack that caused millions of dollars in damage, injured scores of officers, threatened the peaceful transition of power. For his part, Rom, 60, 63. I, I, it probably won't be a full year. I don't know how much time he's actually going to serve. But he told the judge he'd never actually entered Pelosi's office and realized as soon as he entered the Capitol building that he'd become part of something bigger. Say it. Say I love Big Brother. 
Your Honor, when I put my foot over that threshold, my stomach drops to the floor, he said. I knew only a terrorist should be in there. Only a terrorist should be in the people's house, the Capitol. But they got him to say it. But as prosecutors noted, Rahman's string of social media bravado while the mob was ransacking the Capitol building suggested that at least in the moment he felt anything but remorseful. We have the building surrounded, he posted on Facebook. We're ready to make a breach and take our Capitol back. Once inside, he shot a video of himself shouting, we're taking our effing house back. Time to find some brass and kick some friggin' ass. Time to find some brass. Uh, and, in, and in case there was any doubt as to whether as to what role he played in the attack, Rom took a selfie of his pepper-sprayed face moments after exiting the building. Do not believe the media, he wrote in the caption he posted. There were no anarchists, no Antifa, just patriots trying to take our country back. I was there. Well, let's, let's just see this here. I was there. The, okay, let's see here. According to court filings, he offered an unsolicited boast that he'd previously dodged earlier charges for smuggling marijuana. Okay, I don't know what the heck is going on here. Uh, his lawyer described Rom at several points as beaten down by the reactions of, to his arrest. His mother didn't talk to him for six months. He said former clients of his construction business have shunned him, leaving him with only trash collection as a means for making a living. He regrets the decision, deplores the violence and the property destruction of the Capitol, and apologizes to members of Congress, congressional staff. Yet, I love Big Brother. Just say it over and over again. Only terrorists would have been in there. Rahm, meanwhile, spent much of the hearing sitting silently next to his attorney with his hands clasped on his chest. At the end, he said he regretted bringing his adult son, James Rahm III, with him to Washington. The younger Rahm is also facing charges for his role in the insurrection. But a skipper pushed the judge to spare Rahm prison sentence by noting that despite his words, his actions weren't any worse than many other defendants that day. Prosecutor pointed to his lengthy criminal record as a distinction. Oh. I had been conceived drug possession, yada, 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 again and again, said assistant, he breaks the law. Okay, James Rom Jr. will do what James Rom Jr. wants to do. Nothing's going to tell him otherwise. A year in jail. A year in jail of a man's life at, um, a year in jail of a man's life at 63 is worth a lot more of what's left than a year of a younger person. It's just stolen. Time Bandit 66 says, love the show, Viva, but I am working on a new album and have to get back to writing. We'll have to finish this later. I wish that dude would have crapped on her desk just for the principal LOLs. That, that would, he, he would have gotten the chair for that. Johnson, Johnson Cash says, sorry about my last rant. I meant to make a joke about Pudge pooping on you, but you read it right after showing a clip of the climate, of a climate change related lip stand. It didn't look good. Johnny, first of all, nobody's sensitive here and nobody, nobody presumes bad intentions. What was the last rant though? Was it today? Johnny Cash. Uh, was it today? Whatever it was, don't worry. I, 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 did, I don't even need to forgive you because I didn't think anything bad of it in the first place if I, if I noticed it. Uh, but the joke about Pudge pooping on me, some damn funny shizzle. Uh, that's from Johnson Cash. All right, so that was the last thing. Viva being, sar oh, Viva being sarcastic. He's done nothing for 30 years and they still use that against him. Donut mind, do not mind, donut mind me. Yeah, what was a criminal charge? Hold on one second. Uh, oh, I'm, I, I'm gonna go to, close this. I don't wanna hear that. What was his charge? James Rom the third charge. 
conviction? What was he charged with? Convicted of. Convicted, convicted. That's all I see here. Of course, I'm not in the. I'm not paying to read that article. Whatever that is. Um, felony and misdemeanor. Here we go. Justice. The, is this him? No, that's 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 a. Oh, Philadelphia man found guilty of felony and misdemeanor charges. Okay, here we go. James. Okay, that's it. Here we go. Here we go. We got it. Here, I'll bring it up. It's, it's from the DOJ. Yeah, what was the charge here? Let's hear it. Felony. Philadelphia man. You see this? We do. Okay. Uh, found guilty. Uh, yada, yada. Misdemeanor charges for his actions. During the, his actions and the actions of others disrupted the joint session. Okay. He was found guilty of obstruction of an official proceeding. There you go. A felony. And four related misdemeanor offenses, including entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, disorderly or disruptive conduct in restricted grounds, disorderly conduct. So the standard stuff that they were, that, you know, the, the, the passive, the nonviolent protesters uh, were charged with picketing. And he was charged with threatening to defecate on the on the, on the desk of Her Royal Highness Nancy Pelosi. Oops, rabble. The animals. All right. Um, oh, H.P. Arman says, just quickly viewed your vlog on Alex Baldwin. In typical lawyer speak, you speculated but did not commit, LOL. Um, no, but I've done a bunch. I know I've made a... I, I know I made a... I've done at least seven vlogs on baldwin uh i know that i made a prediction i just can't remember what it was i think i predicted that he was going to get charged because that was seemingly the less likely option or the less likely prediction at the time and i was taken i was going out on, on that limb all right what else do we got in the backdrop uh cancel that what else do we have uh that we wanted to talk about today philadelphia man no that's it that's it. But what I do want to bring up, actually, just before we go, let's 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 go through the Twitter diary of because um, we want to see Jacinda's Jacinda Ardem's tearful, tearful um, uh, announcement that she's 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 resigning. Oh, I'm resigning. And, and I'll show you, like you know, th there is a soul sucking effect to being a tyrant. Where is Jacinda's announcement? That she's resigning. Everyone, you gotta go, you gotta go watch. You gotta go watch the plebs video. Okay, here it is. Here it is. R remember, this is the woman, uh, the person, uh, the fact that she's a woman has nothing to do with anything. This is the tyrant who said, "If you're not getting your news from government-approved sources, you're th 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 that is the only." Uh, that's the worst accent ever. We'll get that video in a second. But here's her tearful resignation. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. Oh, oh it's, it's so hard. I, I, I want to actually see the whole speech in a second, but let me just go back here. Um, this is the same... By the way, I, I, I uh, put up this... this, this, this uh, comparison. S selling your soul is not without cost. There's some people are going to say it's the stress of the job and yada yada. And, and this is not a this is not an issue of comparing young to old. It's the it's the eyes. The, these are 
dead eyes in everything that she does now. This is the same person who came out. Let's see if I can find that, that clip real quick. If you're not getting your news from the government, Jacinda Ardem. Uh, news from the problem is now the only the only video that's coming up now is her resignation speech. Now we're not going to watch it. Doesn't matter. Um, so that's it. That was her. And just and and it puts Justin Trudeau's meltdown into context because I think Alex Jones said it. And I'm, and he's always been ahead of the curve on a lot of things. Uh, the, the the populist movement is kicking ass. What's going on in uh, Davos right now, it, by all accounts, is an absolute meltdown. We're we're living in a world now where the only place um, that these tyrannical um, leaders, these tyrannical politicians, who have made a business of usurping our civil rights and liberties, the only place. Where they can, um, uh, you know, not be interrupted, not be heckled, not be asked actual legitimate questions, is in their proverbial and, if not literal, ivory towers. You know, borders suck, walls don't work unless you're at Davos. Borders are racist. Uh, no, no human is illegal. But my goodness, go into Davos and, and breach the perimeter of that Davos uh, perimeter. And we'll see who's illegal real fast. They, 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 they recoil to these, uh, these conferences. It's the only place where they can you know, not have people tell them what they really think. It's the only place where they can think that they are, are, are liked and loved and respected. And I think they know the jig is up for all of this. You can't hide the truth for very long. And it's coming out, boy, howdy. Um, let me go, let me go to Viva Barnes Law. Dat locals, holy crap, there's 227 chats that I didn't look at. Does she blink? This is from Ricky Bobby. She doesn't care. She will be guarded for the rest of her life on the taxpayer's dime, probably excited to bounce. Can you imagine being guarded for the rest of your life because you're so detested by the people that you were supposed to represent that you can no longer walk among your brethren? That's, that's, that's hell. You know, I was, I was listening to Jordan Peterson on uh, Joe Rogan, and he's talking about hell. And Joe Rogan is saying, well, look, some of these tyrannical dictators have been very successful. You know, they, they're, they're, they're tyrants, they're leaders, they have wealth, they have control. And Peterson's like, okay, that's what you're describing is, is hell. They've inherited or, or, or built a hell for themselves where they can't trust anyone around them, where everyone hates them, where everyone lies to them day in and day out. And the funny thing is, both Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan, in describing the success of a tyrant versus the hell in which they live, are describing the exact same thing. That is hell. Uh, that is hell. They're a successful tyrant gets to live the rest of their lives um, in seclusion, uh, detested, uh, and detestable. So that's with with success like that. Uh, who needs who needs failure? Okay, people. It's an hour and forty seven minutes. It's twelve forty six. It's Thursday. Uh, I'm gonna have a stream tomorrow. Next week, there's gonna be some interesting stuff coming up. Uh, 
I've got two very good guests confirmed. Uh, one big one, which I'll announce when it's time, coming up soon. But you know, by the, by the first week of February, awesome stuff will have happened and will continue to happen. Let's go into the chat and see what's going on here just before we, we end with the Viva. Doc Terminus said, Viva, if Baldwin's shooting didn't happen during rehearsal, couldn't it have just occurred later when the cameras were running? Couldn't it have just occurred later when the cameras were running? I believe the cameras were running. To me, there is not a snowball's chance in hell that the cameras were not running. Uh, now, I, I, And if the cameras weren't running, it's even more suspicious. It's, in, it's inconceivable uh, that the cameras were not running, that there was no camera running on a movie set while they're rehearsing, if for no other reason than based on the instructions that Jacinda was giving um, just, I'm sorry that, uh, um, Helena was giving Alec Baldwin, like you need the camera. You want to be able to see it and review it afterwards. It, it, inconceivable. Okay. Today we're going to end. All of you who are watching now are going to get a sneak peek. This video has only been published to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Uh, it has not been published. I'm sorry. I uploaded the video directly there. Uh, but now we're going to. You're all going to get a family video sneak peek. Viva Family discovers the West Palm Beach Zoo. I think that's what it was. And um, it was a good day. So with that said, everybody, uh, we can agree to disagree on certain things. And like Joe Rogan said, and I've been, I've been boning up on Rogan podcasts. It's crazy. People want to know other people's opinions and the evidence upon which those opinions are based and you don't have to agree with someone's opinion. You don't have to agree with someone's assessment. Uh, but you can analyze and assess their opinion and their assessment based on the manner in which it's evidenced, supported, justified. Um, and that's how you know if someone has a bad opinion or a good opinion. You can disagree with it, but if it's tenable, well, A, you might still disagree with it, but you have been informed, you have been educated, and you're now smarter for understanding an opinion with which you might ultimately disagree after it has been uh, issued and defended. So we don't have to agree on everything, and we won't. And if we did, it wouldn't be fun. It would actually just be an echo chamber. So with that said, everybody, keep the faith, but not blind faith. Keep fighting the good fight peacefully and in a way that will not give your ideological adversaries the justification they need to do what you know they want to do to you, what you know they know they want to do to you, in a way that would make your parents, your children, and your pets proud, and you can do no wrong. Um, and the tide is turning. The tide is turning, I hope. Fingers, fingers crossed. And if it isn't, we shall continue raging. Raging, raging against the machine.